Good morning again as, as we uh, dive into our second week of, of our new series on Peeled. Once again, it's, it's exciting to be able to, to step aside and look at some of these fruits of the Spirit and watch God peel them apart. And again, the reminder, as we look today at the, at the fruit of love, this is not an okay, I need to do better at loving sort of inward look. We are looking out towards the Spirit and how He works in us and brings this fruit to life. As you look back at your childhood, if you could pick one item, one toy, one possession that you wish you still had today, what would it be? A baseball card worth thousands, a Barbie, a toy, a Nintendo control system, you know, one of those original ones, the Atari, whatever. You, you think back and you say, man, I wish I would have held on to that. I wish I, I still had that. For, for me, one of them, and this isn't the possession, mind you, but one of them was when I was 12 years old. I got a model rocket set. And it's one of those where you have to, you know, glue it together and paste it in all the right places and, and, and make sure it's all set. And of course, with any rocket set, what's the coolest part for a 12-year-old boy? The explosives, yeah. You got that little tube of explosives that says, warning, danger, flammable, awesome. And, and you know, it's, it's all cool. But, but the other thing that made this rocket cool wasn't just the explosives. It was that it, it didn't come down with one of those boring parachutes, you know. This, this thing... This baby had helicopter blades. <laughs> and so the way it worked, once it got up in the air, the top would pop off and these fins would come out, these blades, and it would slowly rotate back, back down to earth. It was awesome. And so the big day came. I had spent hours on this thing. I named it the silver bullet, by the way. I painted it silver. And, and the big day came. We went to my parents' backyard. They were there with me. They still had that same place, five acres out in Oklahoma, and lit it off perfect. Went up just like it was supposed to. Top came off just like it was supposed to. The blades came out, started rotating down. I was like, awesome. And the, the blades worked so well that it took forever for that thing to come down. <laughs> so long that the wind had plenty of time to push it far beyond our property line into a densely wooded wasteland. <laughs> so what does 12-year-old boy do? <laughs> he's not about to lose this thing. He jumps over the barbed wire fence to go get it. And what I thought was going to be a 15-minute recovery turned out being a three-hour fruitless search. And when I got home, when I got back, I learned it had almost turned into a search and rescue for me. <laughs> Mom was very close to calling the police, getting the search dogs, getting the helicopters, <laughs> other things with blades to come and, and, and fetch me. And as I look back, I, 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 I acknowledge something. I chased something that I loved. And it took me away from someone who loved me. You've chased your rockets too. I, I know I'm just getting to know you. This is my first time here as, as, as a pastor preaching to you. But I know you've had your rockets. Maybe, maybe they've, they've taken you away from loved ones for a few hours of quality time. Maybe it's been a few years. We all have things that we love. And the thing about love is this. When, when you put your love in something, you're drawn towards it. It's like it, it's like it has a gravity field where the only thing you want is to be close to this thing, to have this thing, to, to, to have more of it. 
And as, as we look at, at love today, that's kind of the first point that I want to throw out there. Um, in fact, Jesus is, is one who, who realized this very thing. When you love something, that's where your heart's going to be. There's going to be attraction there. Jesus in Matthew 6 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you love that rocket enough, you will chase it. There's a gravity field there. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You can sense it. You, you can crave it. Here's our first fill-in for the day. The, the first thing that we really want to make sure we get. Love is, is like gravity. What I love will pull on me. The things I love will, will have this attraction. that They'll pull me in a way that I might not be able to understand or express. But there is a pull there. And as you look at that first main thought, let's go ahead and take it a step further. Does, does this maybe explain why you like to be loved? When you're the object of someone's love, what does that mean? Well, it means they're gravitated towards you. It means they want you. They need you. They want to be in your presence. Let's see, are there any parents here today? <laughs> a few Mine are two, four, six. You know what it looks like after a long day, you know, you a tough day, and you finally come home through the front door, and there's those there's cheerful faces for me as three, three little kids. Daddy! I'm loved. They, 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 there's something missing when I'm not there. Some, some days it's like they're going Palm Sunday on me. Hallelujah! Daddy's home! And as I step in, I think there's palm branches everywhere, but it's just their mess. Love is like gravity. It, it, it pulls us, and when we're the object of love, it feels good. In fact, that's something God understands. When God was creating the world and he made Adam in his own image perfect and holy, God said, this is good, but something's not right. Something's still missing. When God looked at it, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he says the same to you. It's not good for you to be alone where no one can love you. It's not good when no one's there to, to need you, to gravitate towards you. And that's a basic human need. We could go through all sorts of socio sociological, psychological, whatever. You know it's true. It's a basic human need to be loved. And so God put Eve there. And Adam and Eve, you know, a few years later you get this room full of people. There's another point, though. God didn't just create community around us, but he, he gave the command, love your neighbor. Love the people around you. There, there's two truths that I want you to sort of wrestle with for a little bit. The first is this. L look around you. You are one person in this room. God commanded everyone in this room to love you. And the second thing to let sit on, on the stove for a little bit. God put you here to love everyone else. God understands that love is important. That's our, our second fill-in. Love is important. I need it. It's a need. And God commands it. This, this is something that we can't just look off as, oh, yeah, love, well, that's just something for some people. I'll get there someday. Love is for everybody of every age something we all need, and it's something that God very specifically commands. But what is it? 
Here's where we get into trouble, right? Um, one thing I failed to mention on, on, in your bulletin, you have this, this gold-colored sheet. It looks like most of you have it out already. In the middle of that sheet, that sermon notes sheet, it has a question on there. What is my definition of love? Let's say we gave this sheet to 100 people, and I gave them 30 seconds. I said, go ahead, write out your definition. Do you know what I would have in 31 seconds? 100 different definitions, 100 different ideas of what love is for and what love means and what love's all about. And they have books out there. I have a few on my shelf, like the five love languages. You have to know which one is mine in order for me to feel loved, and so you have to figure that out. You know, it's a complicated mess. I don't want to get into all that stuff. Because I think when we talk about the definition of love, there's two main things we can look at. When you give your definition, you're thinking of one of two things. Whom am I loving? In other words, I'm putting conditions on it. Or how deeply do I love? And let me just throw this out there. When when I say I'm spending the weekend with my loved ones, who am I spending it with? Pastor Ben, of course. Yeah. you automatically think a very, very small group of people. My loved ones are the ones, very, 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 very small. In fact, when, even when you look out in the world, there's, there's evidence that you know, love is something we restrict to a very small number. There, there was a certain professor at a secular university, and one thing that he would regularly ask of his classes is this. You know, secular students, you know, secular university, he would ask them, Of all of Jesus' teachings, which ones are you familiar with? If there's a teaching of Jesus that you know, what is it? And do you know what they answered? Number one teaching, secular students don't know God. Teaching is this, love your enemies. And you've got to wonder, why is that one so well known? Why, why do secular university students know it so well? Well, it's because that teaching is so weird. Loving family, loving friends is hard enough and complicated enough. How can I love enemies? But this serves to illustrate the first part. When people define love, they naturally want to place conditions on it. The people I love, they have to be the right people. But once I narrow down who it is I love, even then I limit it even more. I place conditions. I I say there's a certain cost I am willing to pay for this person. You might have a friend who gets you in a little trouble. You say, oh, it's all right. Don't do it again. Or you might have people that you get along with to a certain degree. Oh, I love this. I love this church as long as they do this. Or I love my teachers as long as they respect me. Or I I love my in-laws that doesn't work. (laughs) I love them up to a certain point and then it's off. Love no more. And maybe I'm going too long on this. This is our our third fill-in. Very easy. I naturally, I, you, naturally place limitations on the love that we give. And that's just what we naturally see from the world around us. Okay, let's take it a step further here. Why? Why don't you want to love your, your enemies? Why don't you want to love your, your weird neighbor? <laughs> Isn't it because maybe we all know what it feels like to be unloved? You know that feeling of, of when 
you put your love on the line and you put the cost out there and you give everything only to have that person step on it. And that's a horrible feeling. That's, that's why a lot of people are so reserved with the love that they give. They, they limit the number of people. They limit the cost they're willing to give because it hurts so much. There's a few songs about that, aren't there? But better than probably any song I've heard and better than any words I can come up with, uh, Christian author C.S. Lewis came up with some very poetic words to describe what it feels like when, when we're done with love. This is what he wrote. He says, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrong and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. And I like this next one. Not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Here's the part I want you to really focus on. Lock your heart up safe in the coffin of your selfishness. That's, that's rock bottom right there. If, if you get to the point where you say, my heart is, I don't want to risk anymore. I, I don't want to be broken anymore. And so you lock it up in the coffin of your own selfishness. That's, that's as deep, that's as low as you can get. But I think we've all gone there, maybe not to the fullest extent, at least a little bit, because there's something true of all of us that this kind of shows. Deep down, we might show we love others, we show we love God, but finally, the person that you love the most is you. I don't want to get hurt. So I will guard my heart. I don't want me to suffer. So I'm not going to love. We said earlier that love is a lot like gravity. So what happens when you love yourself? Where are you pulled? Well, it's a lot like jumping on Jupiter. I assume none of you have done that, so I might need to explain a little bit. Jupiter is a very much larger planet than Earth, roughly two and a half times, a little bit more, uh, as far as mass and gravity goes. So basically, if you were to travel to Jupiter and stand on its surface, you would weigh two and a half times more than you do on Earth. If you're looking to lose weight, that's a horrible place to go. So here's some numbers just to visualize it for you. If you weigh 150 pounds right now, if you go to Jupiter, you'll be 350 if you go to Jupiter and you weigh 200 pounds, you'll be 475. And if you decide that you want to survive more than a split second in a harsh alien atmosphere and you want a spacesuit on, altogether you'll be half a ton. Try jumping on Jupiter. You won't get too far. That, that's kind of, kind of heavy, kind of burdened down. But let's play this scenario out. Okay, we're being silly. You're standing on Jupiter. You're heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the bad news is you are going to be stuck there because there is no technology, there is no system, no propulsion system strong enough to actually get you off of Jupiter's ground. Nothing strong enough to help you escape its gravity. So if you are on Jupiter, not only are you weighed down, but you're stuck. Jupiter is where God found you. 
He saw a world full of people that were chasing little rockets here and there, completely disregarding the, the, the things that were more important. He saw a group of people on earth that were so consumed by themselves that they were completely weighed down with self-love, unable to see or hear anything other than themselves. When God saw this earth, it was a mess. And the only thing that could possibly rescue you from it is if there's a stronger love that can pull you away. And I say if because obviously we're talking about God, but He has no reason to come down to Jupiter to get you. He has no reason to, to lift your burdens. That's only going to slow him down. You have nothing to offer him and nothing to give him. The harder we try, the more we put on, the heavier we get. In fact, sometimes you might even hear people say around you, I don't want to go to church. I already feel guilty enough. I don't need the preacher making me feel guiltier. Maybe that person was you. That person is close. Because that person recognizes they're on Jupiter and they're way down and there's no way that they can get out. There is no system. There is no set of beliefs. There is no man-made religion that can ever help you get off of that surface. And there is no reason for God to help. But this is what he says to you. This is how God showed his love among us. 1 John 4. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Stop looking at yourself. Stop being so indwelling in love for self and in hope for yourself and what you can do because finally when you look at love, love is not about you at all. It's about Him. When you look at the weight of all of our burdens, we acknowledge that there's so many times in our hearts when we have such a deep love for ourselves that there's no love left to give over. When you look at the weight of the world combined, what could possibly pull us all away but the love of God? That's exactly what Jesus did. He came to earth to our little Jupiter. And of all the miracles he did that, that amaze us, there was one that was greater than all of them. I mean, sure, he walked on water. He changed water into wine. He, he, he took some food that was finite, and for, for a while he made it unlimited. He, he calmed a storm. He, ra- he raised the dead. But of all the miracles he did, there was one thing that was more impressive than all of them. He broke the law of gravity. While he was living here on earth, he never chased the rockets. He only chased his father's will. While he was on earth, he never got consumed in self-love. He was consumed in his love for you. And when he suffered and died, he didn't just lift his body from this earth. He lifted your guilt and your burden from you. Not because you earned it or deserved it, but because his love drew him to you. That's our fourth fill and our fourth main point. God's love draws him to me. 
And I want you to, to, to pay careful attention to that wording. It's not let his love drew me to him. His love meant he had to come to me to take off my burden, to die in my place, and to make me right with God. That is what love is. God's love draws him to me. And here's, here's the part where we start to challenge ourselves with these two conflicting definitions now. You know, we looked at, at, at the world. Love is, you know, limiting. God's love is expanding. There is no limit. So as you look at the people around you, we have to revisit this once again. You know, God put all these people in the room to love you. And he put you in this room to love all these people. So how do we do it? As we look ahead at the the next slide here, we see exactly the kind of love that God modeled for us. As you you go through life, I'm going to use some some terms kids would be familiar with. You don't become BFFs with someone who's going to betray you. Right? You know, if someone's going to be your best friend forever, you, you don't pick someone who's going to betray your every secret on Instagram. That's not cool. Or for adults, and probably the biggest example, you, you don't walk down the aisle with someone whom you know is going to be unfaithful and who's planning to be unfaithful. That's not what we do. When God decided to send his son to this earth, here's the kind of vow that he took in marriage terms. He said, I promise to love you for worse. I promise to love you for poorer. I promise to love you in sickness because that's all that we had. That's all that we had to offer him was the the, the worse, the poorer, the sickness. There was no better. There was no richer. There was no health. It was completely one-sided. That is the love that God showed to us. And now here's where we challenge ourselves and when we look ahead. How exactly do I show that kind of love to others? Dear friends, since God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. Here's once again where we take all of the, all the attention off of me and off of you. This isn't about me trying to love someone. That's not the point. The point is me trying to learn more how God loved me. And how that love overflows. In the time you've been in church today, some 45 minutes, how many times have you gotten to love the person next to you? Maybe if they dropped their pen or their bulletin. Not a lot of opportunities, though. As much as this congregation and this church celebrates coming together for worship and praising God, this is awesome. This isn't really the fulfillment of what God is commanding. Love one another. That has to take place somewhere else, someplace where we can interact with one another, someplace that we can get together. And that's a huge reason why, why this congregation focuses on some pretty cool stuff. You know, growth groups. Let's get our kids together. Let's get our adults together. Let's get even our old people. Let's get them together too. Why? Because of the love that God has shown us. Let's go ahead and get that, that last fill-in taken care of. God's love connects me to others doesn't just bring us into a close group, doesn't make, just make us somehow loosely in fellowship, but it connects us. Because when you have such a strong love that can pull all of us off of Jupiter, that love isn't just going to spread us out throughout the galaxy. 
No, we all naturally gravitate towards Him. And in doing so, we gravitate towards each other. God's love connects me to others. That's why God's love and my love are so closely intertwined. You can't talk about one without the other. As God has loved me, so I love others. And and here's where we come full circle, the gravity of Christ's love. You know, the things we love have so much pull, but when our love is focused on Christ by the gift of the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves growing closer to Him. And as you gather in your groups, as you get together, as you find ways to love one another, you're going to find some pretty cool stuff happening. You're going to find a group of people whom you can freely say to, I forgive. It doesn't matter what you did, what you said, I forgive, because it's not about me. You'll find a group of people as you gather with Christians, a group of people who who all understand, yeah, there are some rockets that might come up in life. They're not worth chasing anymore. I've got a different kind of love that has drawn me in. As you connect with others, you'll see some other awesome things happening. You'll see the very real temptation to want to go jumping on Jupiter again as you focus your love inward. But as you grow with others and you grow in your love in Christ, that's going to be less and less of a temptation as you see the freedom he has brought you to. What we're getting at is this. No one has ever seen God. No no one can say, oh, I ran into God the other day. But if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. And maybe you can write in your name, His love is made complete in me and in you. As much as He loved the earth to send His Son and die, there's still a love that you get to share with each other. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. Growing in Christ's love and showing his love to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible love that you showed us in Christ. Were it not for your love, we would still be stuck in our sins and in the burden of all of our guilt. Uh, Yet in you we find free forgiveness. We find joy and peace. We see all these gifts of the Spirit unleashed because of the kind of love that you gave us. And so now we ask you, use your spirit to help us love each other, to reach out to each other when we're hurt, to to fill each other up when we're empty, and to encourage one another in in learning more about you. Uh, We 